Welcome to Day Beautiful. My name is Adam Vitkavich, and this is a podcast where you can discover debut authors through in-depth interviews about their life, their book, what gets them going in the morning, and all of their creativity. If you like what you hear here, check out daybeautiful.net and follow Day Beautiful on all social medias at Day Beautiful. You can support Day Beautiful by going to daybeautiful.net slash shop to purchase a new t-shirt I worked on with Herbie Hickmont, a designer out of Philadelphia. I asked him to create a 1990s library shirt, and boy, did he deliver. Again, you can support Day Beautiful by going to daybeautiful.net slash shop. Today's guest holds a degree in sociology from Hamlin University and an MFA from Columbia University. He has lived in New York, Minnesota, Madrid, and he's back in New York where he teaches and works in translating. His debut book is called Abundance. It's out now on Grey Wolf Press. His name is Jacob Guanzen. Hey, Jacob. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, and uh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Oh, of course. I love I love Grey Wolf, which is the person putting out, or the, not person, the the publisher putting out Abundance, which is your debut novel. Um, and so, and they put out such, in, such interesting and great stuff all the time. Um, tell readers a little bit about what Abundance is. Yeah, well, first of all, you're absolutely right about Grey Wolf. I mean, they have just been phenomenal throughout the process on top of, you know, the work that they put out. And um, and I think Abundance found the perfect home with them. And uh, the book is, you know, it's it's at, at its core, just a father-son story and also, you know, a day in the life kind of 24-hour novel. And, um, and on the day that we meet Henry and his son, Junior, we come to learn that hit quite a rough patch, been living out of Henry's pickup truck for the last six months. But we, we also find that tomorrow, Henry's got a job interview that could potentially lift them out of this dire situation they're in. And, um, but as things tend to happen, uh, things get a little complicated the night prior. <laughs> and so, um, but really what I think makes the novel sort of unique, unique and what I like about it what I, um, is, the, is the way it's organized. And that's by uh, each chapter, the title of each chapter reflecting the exact amount of cash that Henry has in his front pocket. And so each expenditure or, you know, the rare or minor gain and ends up dictating the trajectory of Henry's and uh, Junior's you know, story and ultimately fate. And, um, and as that 24-hour narrative unfolds or really unravels, um, we get these flashback chapters that begin to interrupt that accumulate into a parallel arc that uh, begin to explain how Henry ended up in this situation we find himself, we, he finds himself uh, today. So... That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. You said at its core, it's a father son novel. Was that kind of what you were interested in exploring first or was it like a money novel first? And then you figured out the relationship. Oh, first and foremost, uh, a money novel. Absolutely. Um, and then it just, that, that seemed, it, this was my first novel. I never imagined myself as a novelist. I always thought I'd be sticking to the short story form for at least till I got the hang of it for taking another 10 years is what I kind of set aside. Um, but seeing that this structural conceit, that, that the, the idea for the structural conceit came much earlier in the process before I even knew what 
the story was going to be, but seeing that the scope of the novel, um, the scope of the format of the novel would allow me to explore the father-son relationship and so many other kind of identity dynamics and um, that it seemed appropriate to really delve into some things that could I couldn't quite try successfully unpack in the short form. Mm-hmm. What about money interests you to write about it? Oh man, um, it's 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 at the core of I think our our cultural ethos and um, and it's so it, I think it was really on my mind after moving back to the states that and moving into like this hyper um hyper commercial hyper status oriented place that is new york and and of course you don't talk about your salaries you don't talk about the details of your personal finances but it's all there it's all it's all so coded and uh and really um and really interested me but especially the the disparity that exists right and like and it really blatant almost painful ways and you know i i think the the i mean the initial idea for the story uh came from just one of the this like very fleeting moment that and i think all of my stories do i can always trace back to the sort of inciting incident the inciting image that was like oh you know what i should i should scribble about that for a little bit and it was at a grocery store in the Upper West Side, you know, a very white and wealthy area, much more so than where I'm living. And um, and I was in line for the grocery store, and there, the line was getting held up. And I peeked, and I could feel the people behind me. You know, you just sense that frustration when you when when you're in a public place, and you can get feel those indignant huffs broiling behind me. And um, there's this woman, uh, you know, over by the the bagging station, and she had this splash of coins laid out there, and was you know picking out the dimes and quarters and trying to hit that that total. And and I, I found it really striking, not it just the the utter lack of sympathy in that moment where. You know, I mean, you're not paying with with change when times are good, right? Like that that is it's just it it's not too difficult to infer that about her situation and just going through hell. And meanwhile, there's this, you know, the everybody else in line is, you know, just indignant because their right to convenience has been infringed upon. And I just found it really striking. No, I, I, I definitely, I know that moment. It's interesting. I grew up in a pretty like cush middle-class life, a suburban life. Right. And after my undergrad, I took a unpaid internship at like a pop culture magazine, just because, you know, it was like my last chance of trying something because that's what America taught us. Like you have to have a job by 22. So anyway, I, I took a gamble and I was like, let me, and I had no journalism background. I just like liked to write about pop culture. Like mm-hmm. I had a little cra- like crappy blog. Anyway, I was I was in Atlanta. I was at a Walmart buying my necessities, and like my credit card declined. Oh man! 
because I had like just moved there and was not good about like keeping track about that yet. I want yeah. Like I don't know. I always was used to a you know a paycheck like coming in and with an unpaid internship, I hadn't picked up a you know waitering uh, job or whatever yet. And that moment's still with me. And that was like 10 years ago. Like I still know like exactly how it felt. And like, I was, I, I've been lucky to not ever worry about, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. That's just been there. And like, I've never lived that life, but these people like your characters who do have to worry about that always have that worry looming over their head. Like, you, like always. Absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head because that that's one of the things that I find just so horrific about um i mean financial hardship or i mean that that what a euphemism when it's like when when we're talking about poverty and scraping by and how how pervasive that that kind of a a, per, a problem is in, a, in an individual's life it just pollutes every facet of your experience when Whereas, you know, uh, a, a tiff with uh, with your partner or some beef with your boss or something, you can you can compartmentalize and kind of, like, hey, I'll deal with this later. Whereas when when you don't have money, you do not have freedom. Your, your, your options are delimited to the most narrow and frustrating scope. And and it and it and like in your experience, I, I, I almost I, I almost detect a sense of like embarrassment and shame that came with that moment of just in, in your anecdote. And I think that really speaks to the kind of judgment that comes in a society that's so where, you know, human worth is, has been, you know, quantified and, and uh, dollars and cents. Yeah. And you, you said, you know, especially in America, human life is quantified. Um, and earlier you said, like, we don't talk, we don't ask about salaries, but it's so coded how we talk about our money. Mm-hmm. You lived abroad, you lived in Madrid, right? Uh, yeah. When you weren't living in New York. Did you over there, was there ever questions like, oh, what do you do? Was that, did that come up with your friends over there? Yeah, it does. It, I mean, it's something that, it, it's a question that gets delayed. It's it's not, it's not an upfront th- thing that's discussed. And um but I also, but um, it, it'll come out eventually as it often does. And I think that's much more indicative of kind of the, the, the reach of the McDonaldization, Americanification, whatever you want to call it, of, of how our culture has spread across the world in terms of prioritizing this, you know, establishing your status and worth through, you know, dropping the right job title and, and that kind of thing. But but one thing that is a bit different out there is employees talk. You know, there's a real sense of um, of us and them. You know, like like the whole buddy buddy boss thing hasn't quite you know te- <laughs> permeated throughout the Spanish culture in the way that we have it here. Like the like bot, you're, you, everybody looks up. Uh, you know, anybody in a position of authority with with suspicion that i think is very much justified and very much set, like you know smart and prudent for the worker working class middle class whatever anybody that is below the people calling the shots and because that's where your power is in is very dependent upon your you know working together and unifying and and so and one of those ways of doing that is being very 
open with at least with your colleagues about how much you're earning because it's like wait you're paying her how much how dare you you know and so those kinds of things there's that kind of transparency and like a, a willingness to confront uh these office place injustices is i think really healthy and really vital yeah i find it so shocking how i mean i haven't met new people since this pandemic started but you know as soon as you meet someone it's like oh what do you do it's like the third question asked now Mm -hmm. And I know for the most part, there's maybe not an ulterior motive, but I do know some people who, who definitely want to know salary, like right off the bat, like, should I pay for these drinks at happy hour or should they? Yeah. And and like, I know that's just me being pessimistic, but it is so interesting. I have a friend who like, will ask what your salary is. Like she just blatantly asks it and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, so I warn my new friends meeting her, like, she's going to ask this. You don't have to answer. <laughs> I love like, it. I love it. She's shaking things up. And yeah, it's wild. Day. Like, uh, yeah. she's just like, she doesn't even ask what you do. She's like, well, how much do you make? And I'm like, all right, like, good for you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's just, it's crazy to me. It's, it's so interesting talking to people who lived abroad or who are from abroad and, mm-hmm they're like, why are you asking? Like, I don't know what you want from me right now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Your book, Abundance, is about about money. Like we talked about at the beginning before we started talking about just money in the world. And then you you figured out, oh, like the best way to tell this money story is through this father and son. And as you know, we were talking about before we were recording, I love craft questions. I love figuring out how this all came together. And... Mm -hmm. One thing I'm really fascinated with is the chapter titles about the deposit of his money. Yeah. When did that come into play for you? Because that outside of the actual book, I love that so much, you know, the, 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 the chapter way it's organized. Yeah. Um, and I like, um, I said that, that there was that, that was super early in the process because I just, I, I had never seen, you know, writing about, uh, low-income characters is nothing new, right? I mean, like, there's, um, yet, um, there's, I've never come across a a book or even movie or whatever story where the the viewer, the reader has explicit knowledge of how much money a character has, you know, like, you might see, oh, I got 20 bucks kind of passing comment, but really that kind of, (laughs) like, just blatant in your face knowledge, both as the reader and it hanging over the protagonist seemed really important and really representative of how it does feel when you're, when you're tight on cash and like, not even, I mean, obviously like not in this desperate of a situation by any means as desperate of a situation, but just, you know, being a young person in, in, you know, 2010s America, whatever, coming of adulthood, shit, you know, times are tight. And, and, you know, when you're getting close to that zero in your checking account, man, like, I don't know about you, but I, I, I always knew how much I had in my bank account. <laughs> like, it was just, it was this, yup, can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. You know, I'll see you guys not, not this weekend. I get, you know, payday's next Friday. So, you know, yeah. You know, then. after that, like Walmart incident, I talked about, it was like, I was so self-conscious about, okay, like, can I get, I mean, I can't even think of like a beer I like. Can I get like this IPA from this brewery or do I need to grab PBR? Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. that was a luxury. Even like I could think about what beer I wanted as opposed to like, oh, do I need bread and milk? You know? 
But yeah, it, it, exactly. And and so and but that that um, perpetual state of budgeting, like this, you know, you think of like cost benefit analysis in, in terms of business decisions, but like on the on the small scale, on on a very and in a, the most visceral way, where it really did, you know, it's this is this dinner or shelter, right? These, those are the kinds of decisions a lot of people are facing right now, and a lot more are going to be facing over the next coming years, you know, coming out of this global pandemic that's just devastated the working class. And so that it just seems really urgent to me that these kinds of stories are are out there. Yeah. And like, just before I move on about like the chapter titles, one thing I loved about it was just looking at the, like the table of contents, seeing it like, you know, spoiler, I guess, hit zero and then (laughs) go up to, there's a comma, like, you know, it's like a thousand dollars or more at some point because of how Mm -hmm. things work out. It gave me a sense of like, oh, this is going to be a wild ride. And like, and and it was more like, it was, it's kind of like how, I guess like, knowing what a i mean what if if it is a spoiler like you know knowing a spoiler but not knowing how how it happens that was even more like enthralling for me as i was like turning the pages in abundance yeah i i'm so glad you caught that for the i i think that table of contents is so damn cool not to toot my own horn but you know i was just when it when i thought of like oh man i'm gonna lay this shit out at the very front you know it's like wow that that's that that in itself is provocative so I'm so glad you picked up on that. Very, oh, for sure. I very like, Well, as soon as I kind of, I think I skipped over it at first as I always do, but as soon as I saw like, you know, what's the first one, 8934, and then the second chapter or section is like 8959, I was like, oh, I get it now. Like, duh. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and, and setting it over a short period of time was that also something that came early to you, knowing that it would need to be this quick for their day in the life mm-hmm. um i i be, i did conceive of this as a as a short story and so i you know i usually work within you know the five to six thousand word range with my short fiction and and it just and the way these scenes kept compounding and my own questions about how the hell did this happen you know because i didn't i also it also seemed really important to me to write in a sort like a almost elevated register, not not you know like this erudite kind of loquacious mode, but I wanted that that voice to reflect intelligence and awareness because it's just the the way low income characters are are, are just you know. Not just low-income people in general are blamed for their for their circumstances, and it's as if it's owed to some sort of deficiency or laziness or lack of intelligence. It's like it couldn't be farther from the truth, and it seemed really important to me to like add, like just tilt that that register up a tiny bit to, and and make Henry a sharp, intuitive guy. He makes a lot of dumb decisions but that doesn't make him a, a, a stupid person as a whole and so um and and so as I kind of clicked into the voice through the throughout the course of writing the day story I just I, I had so many questions for myself about this guy that I had to kind of dig in and uh and and that and yeah and it just bloomed into this mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I just, I just found, sorry, I got distracted as you were saying that. I got, I just found just Henry as such a, and his son, but Henry, such a compelling character because you're right. So often we, as a society, look, even if you're not trying to, there's always like this like connotation, like of, of looking down at some point, maybe it's a fleeting moment, maybe it's an unintentional and maybe not everyone feels this way, but there's always a moment where it's like, like, or, I don't know what I'm trying to get at, but like, I talked about how like homeless people or people who without people who without homes have like entered my apartment building. Like, I don't care. Like, it's like, they're, they just, they're just trying to survive. And like, I don't yeah. blame them for not having a home. They want to stay warm. I live in Denver, but certain people, it's like, they, they wrote like handwritten signs, like trespassers will be prosecuted. And I was like, oh do you God. really need a handwritten sign? Like, just let them sleep in our lobby. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And maybe I'm just like, some people listening to this might be like, well, you're a sucker for, you know, and that's like, that's part of it. Like I'm a sucker for feeling bad. Right. But that's mm -hmm. human empathy. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's victim blaming, you know, it's just, I mean, the, the it, it's, it's, you, you, you don't get mad at the person who's, on the street going through hell living a hard life you blame the the society that lets that happen you know I, as far as i'm concerned you know we like we obviously have the resources to treat take help just help people when you know when the shit hits the fan and yet we let our i mean our own citizens just rot and it just i find it so appalling and tragic and and so deeply american at the same time you know yeah it's just as you were writing this and it ballooned from an idea for a short story to a novel, did you have to put in research for characters like Henry or did that come naturally writing about a human who just happens to be in this situation? Yeah. Uh, it, I'm sorry, were you going to ask something else? Or? I was going to ask, does that make sense? Because sometimes I yeah. say things out loud and I'm not sure if it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, to be honest, like the, the I did have to do a lot of research on, on the, on, on the prison system, on, on, on gold plating, on, um, and, and there's there certain other areas, but as far as imagining, you know, what these kind of circumstances are like you know the the uh, the the truck in the in the novel is very familiar to me that is the work truck the, we for oh, i used to work uh, in as a landscaper for like seven years back in minnesota and so that's where a lot of the work scenes come are based on or you know draw their texture and uh draw the texture from but as far as, and so it's really easy to for, for me to visualize what it meant to the, like the, you know the very detailed logistics of the truck itself the space and the inaccessibility of 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 middle america you know not a city landscape but that kind of dead zone between the city and the burbs and a little further into the the more undeveloped rural zones and like and how everything shuts down unless you're paying and so i it, it was like, where do you, where do you go? And so I've naturally have seen, 
you know, just, just literally just driving down the freeway myself, driving by Walmart parking lots and seeing these, seeing these mobile homes and people living out of their cars just gradually assemble over the course of the evening because Walmart has agreed not to, you know, eject quote unquote trespassers and let them tap into, you know, the lampposts for electricity. And, and so it's like, it's there right under the surface, you know, and, 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 and give it like, kind of like I said earlier, where your options are so limited as to where you can be safely if you're um, experiencing homelessness is just a matter of considering how, how do you cope with these kinds of hurdles? And, you know, again, like the, the understanding the specific budget uh, that Henry had also forced me to do some, you know, <laughs> budgeting on his part to to think about. Well, is it going to be ravioli tonight, or is he going to splurge on a, a you know a pounder of Miller High Life or something? Right? <laughs> like, yeah. As, as Henry's and and Junior's story unfolded, did you uh, did you kind of know there were certain points you needed to hit certain certain dollar amounts you were going not specific dollar amounts but ups and downs, or did you let kind of it unfolds naturally as like each chapter ended, you'd kind of had a new sense of where they were going. No, I didn't know where they were going. I knew is, I mean, just given where they started out is like how I don't see this as the, any, there's not much probability of things working out. And I think it'd be kind of uh, insensitive to the circumstances of way too many people out there to say like, he did lift himself up by his bootstraps and you can too. And just kind of perpetuate that, that, excuse me, that, uh, you know, that American myth that, you know, hard work and, you know, no, Henry works his ass off. Right. And he doesn't get, he can't get, can't catch a break. And, and, I th and I mean, that was one thing, that uh, you know, the, the following morning after the motel, and and um, I, I had no idea that he was going to have to pull a, a pull a day laboring shift when I was you know sketching out the broader arc you know outline of the novel, and that was something that just came out that was like, damn, he's going to have to work, you know, and so yeah, it really like like I said, the the his budget not only dictated his story, it dictated my work as a writer. So really fascinating. Yeah, was there ever a time when his budget made you realize you had to rework something in an earlier part of the story? Huh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just trying to think so I'm not lying to you, but as, as <laughs> you know, be like, a, but you know, as far as I can remember, I didn't, go back to adjust anything because like, like the example of where he has to, you know, go rip out a driveway for three hours instead of like prep for his interview, you know, that was, I could have very easily have changed 8936 to, you know, let's, let's bump it up to 200 something just so he's working with a little less. Cause I don't really want to write those chapters. It's, you know, I'd like to get to the conclusion a little quicker. Um, and so I really kind of held, held true to, the the amount that I started with and uh, and let that really dictate the the story. 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. I, this is might come out of left field. I was just, look, I'm looking at the book cover as we're talking and um, I'll just kind of explain it. So it's a, you know, black cover with like a hand reaching up and it says abundance across it. And as I'm looking, at it, I was like, this kind of looks like a, like a horror novel um, yeah. in a way. And like, maybe this is an American horror story or more of a America's story is a horror story is more what yeah. I should say. I guess if, if this isn't a book about, like you said, oh, you, everyone can pick themselves up by the bootstraps and it's, you just got to work hard, which is like a message that we're taught as children. What is, I guess, the message of abundance? Oh man. <laughs> That's <laughs> the, a loaded question. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, oh boy. That, is there really... a message, you know, is there a message? I mean, obviously, but. Oh man. I, <laughs> this is, I think this is exactly why I don't, I, I stick to fiction I, <laughs> because, you know, I think, I think it's, 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 it's right there under the surface and, and I'm not, and this is not just some like cheesy ploy to be like breed for yourself, but God damn it, do it. Because I like, I mean, I have a hard time, you know, as a writer to, I, I got to rein in my own, you know, beliefs and fire just be like, because you know, I got to focus on the story and let readers, because that's the, that's the joy of reading is learning and, you know, trying to infer some more, it, you know, it's, it takes a real work as a reader. So, you know, I think, but yes, I think you do nail it on the head that there is quite a bit of horror, you know, it, that's, that I, yeah. <laughs> no, I feel you. Yeah. Sometimes I just say things, like I said, um, it's just interesting. I, I've been, I've been like thinking a lot about money, especially when I, since I knew this like talk was coming up and, and just about even outside the pandemic, like, I feel like this this book is perfect for now, even if it obviously wasn't intended to be released during a pandemic where yeah. so much of America and so much of the world has lost income in some way. Yeah, I, I find it uh, tragically relevant, you know? Um, naturally, I mean, we reached a deal with Grey Wolf back in the spring of 2019 and, and so, I mean, not to say it was all hunky-dory two years ago by any means, but just how, I mean, just, just two Sundays ago, the New York Times cover story was on, uh, on, the, on the, 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 coming, the looming eviction crisis, right? And so like that, it's really entered the public, the general national discourses. I mean, it's good. It's reassuring that there's awareness growing but let's actually see some action too so we'll see we'll see what happens but like i said tragically relevant right now yes yes are do you read a lot about money is like is that something you you read a lot about no i i actually don't it's not i mean um um i I really recently i have been uh but uh, but much more on like the kind of fi- like broader global finances side, but not on the like very day-to-day element uh, way of looking at things, I should say. Um, but yeah, I just uh, I stick to I stick mostly to fiction as a reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, 
that's where I'm at. I uh, definitely read like 90% fiction and the 10% is, I don't know, pop nonfiction, maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. The world's scary enough. I want to escape it, escape it. Um, what, what are you reading? What's been interesting you? Um, whew, th- yeah. Well, I, I'm going to have to backpedal a, a little bit about, you know, sticking to fiction because uh, this last year I've been really having to pump through a lot of research for this next book I've been working on. And so been reading, um, oh God, let me try and think. I've been, you know, so, been reading a lot of Hannah Arendt and uh, some Chomsky and like Huey P. Newton, read Malcolm X again, uh, who else? I mean, Orwell. I mean, you, so, um, and then also, like I said, you know, th- these books about private equity and fun- or groups and uh, hedge funders. And so, you know, really, I mean, I think where Abundance was focused on money, uh, this one has uh, just pow- really interested in power in general that is rooted in money and, uh, and how to combat it. And so, like and 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 to be honest, it's it's been a drag. <laughs> like it's <laughs> like I miss and so like all the fiction I read this you know since lockdown. Um, the last cool thing I got to do before lockdown was you know visit the Gray Wolf offices in Minneapolis and uh, they my editor Steve sent me back with just a boatload of phenomenal books and um, you know like. Devil and Unfra's Barn A to Denez Smith's Homie. Well, that was, I mean, that's poetry and was phenomenal. And um, who else? Susan Steinberg's Machines. Uh, read, I'd read uh, Mark Doton's Trump Sky Alpha a while back, but you know, just looking at the Grey Wolf titles I got on the bookshelf before me and, you know, like, yeah. So those were, those are the fiction I got to enjoy back in January and February. And then the rest has just been ruling research. I want to thank Jacob so much for hopping on the podcast. You can visit him at jacobguanzan.com. You can get his debut book, Abundance. It's available now. It's out via Grey Wolf Press. And I highly recommend checking out everything Grey Wolf has done. If you like what you heard here, you can discover more debut authors at debutiful.net on all the social media at debutiful. Please support debutiful by going to debutiful.net slash shop to pick up that 90s inspired t-shirt. It's $25 plus shipping. If you're a bookseller, let me know. We'll get you a discount. As always, I'm Adam. This is Debutiful, and you're all beautiful. Beautiful.